Hey, what's up all you huge non-clowns? This is episode number four of Talk Fool Radio. Today in the news, we got some entry-level cyborg shit, the very chill, very normal practice of self-mummification. And remember when I told the president I know what you're up to? Well, in light of some recent events, I dug, and I'm going to let you fools know exactly what he's up to. And let me tell you, it's incredibly sus. We're going to talk to one of my favorite angel boys on this planet, Brian Proto. And as always, I got some songs for you. It's a wonderful day to expose the machine, my dog. So let's do this shit. This is Talk Full Radio. Stephen Lee Clark, and this is the fourth episode of Talk Full Radio. Um, I am coming to you today out of the wonderful, magical town of Manteca, California. If you've never heard of Manteca, I can just set it off like this. There is an article that reads, Astronomers Find Actual Black Hole of Culture in Manteca. Um, there is nothing here. It is a pretty desolate place. Uh, been called gay twice, which is pretty chill actually for being here five days. It all took me back to, uh, you know, being in high school, um, having some friends, but just basically not really enjoying myself here. (laughs) Uh, but you know, you got to make it happen. Um, you make it work and I got the fuck out of here as soon as possible. Let's see, I saw about 20 to 25 Monster Energy Drink stickers. I saw one Monster Energy Drink tattoo, which was cool. A lot of big trucks. Um, Saw a couple big trucks with actual American flags flying out of the back of them. So it's a little foreign to me. You come in here just makes you realize like, wow, I literally am from a different world than here. Um, but yeah, you know, you make it fun. I go on about three walks a day, um, take my little dog for a walk. Uh, I saw a lizard run across the street. It was super exciting, um, as compared to everything else. So, uh, another thing is if I seem a little distracted today, it is because I'm coming to you out of my little sister's room. So I have to my left, a vampire diaries poster, some bomb fools on it. Um, I have a Big Bang Theory poster to my right, which is number one, the most offensive show I've ever seen in my life. Um, If you want to observe true stupidity, you should take 25 minutes out of your day and watch an episode of it because it is very upsetting to me and every waking second of it insults my intelligence. Um, Okay, also have a One Direction cup staring right at me. Uh, got a bunch of fish that are just watching me have no idea what I'm doing and then um, to my left I have some inspirational quotes uh, you are beautiful just the way you are and I agree you are beautiful just the way you are um, so you know uh, graduation is a cool thing I guess uh, I was proud of my sister and to all graduates good job on not failing Um, I was really good at failing when I was in high school, so 
school has always been pretty impressive to me. Um, I can't really do shit unless I'm interested in it. So that's my downfall. Can't write a paper. I can write a million conspiracy articles, but I can't write a single fucking paper about anything I don't care about. I think it's a, it's a disease that we all have, you know? Um, so also, uh, I did get the opportunity. Finally, if you know me, you know that I'm not all that cool with kids. I think that there are some cool kids out there, but once they hit teenage years, they can literally fuck off. As far as before teenagers, you know, it's not entirely the kid's fault that I don't like them. Um, it's more like along the lines of like, hey man, you know, would an NFL team play a high school football team? Probably not, right? Because NFL, they're, they're seasoned veterans, they're masters of their craft, and uh, there's really just nothing for them to gain out of uh, playing a bunch of kids, right? So that's how I feel intellectually with kids. You know, it's like I can talk to you all day and let me tell you that would definitely be doing you a favor. But I could talk to you all day about whatever the fuck. And what is your opinion on it? Oh, yeah, you don't have an opinion because you're a child. Um, you can't even read, you know, which is not their fault, really. It's a thing with, you know, brain development, and I'm cool with that. It's just I choose not to talk to you, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, again, teenagers can totally eat shit uh, unless you're like a really rare, cool as fuck teenager because I know they exist out there, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, until you're an adult, like, please just don't fuck with me. You know, and to be honest, I don't really think a lot of kids even become adults ever. Uh, your age doesn't really determine whether you're an adult. But getting back to the point, um, I had the wonderful, amazing opportunity to tell this 16 year old kid to shut the fuck up because they were saying really racist shit and it was disgusting the shit out of me. And it made me wonder, like, how awful can teenagers really be? Because I know they're ignorant and I was a dumbass teenager, you know, but never in my life did I ever think, oh, it's cool to be racist. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I actually got to look at this teenager. It was great. It was a wonderful feeling. And I just said, look, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Stop speaking right now. You know what I'm saying? Because literally every breath that comes out of your mouth is making this world a worse, shittier place. And there's enough things to make this world shitty. And we don't need shitheads like you that are 16 years old running around saying racist shit, right? Um, the whole thing just made me realize. You're about to bust your wrong, motherfucker. And that is true. If you meet a fucking 16-year-old racist piece of shit, it's probably because their parents are fucking... 40-year-old racist piece of shit, or, you know, in this area, they're probably 16-year-old kid, the parents are probably, like, what, 22, you know what I'm saying, so anyways, that was really fun, um, if you ever come across an opportunity to tell a teenager to shut the fuck up, you should do it, because most of them, not all of them, most of them are fucking idiots, all right, so anyways, going into our first song, uh, there's a lot of new stuff I could play from this band, but, and there, it's all good, but I really like this song. I really like this album. This is Raspberry Bulbs with Cracked Flesh. Breathe on it.
right, that was Raspberry Bulbs with Cracked Flesh off of their album Deform Worship on Blackest Ever Black. Uh, Blackest Ever Black is just one of those fucking labels, man. They just put out nothing but tight shit. Um, blah, blah, blah. You already knew that, right? Okay, cool. So uh, I do feel bad because of talking shit about the teenagers, right? Uh, I mean, they still suck. But I did, however, meet a kid um, at my sister's graduation that was cool as fuck, all right? His name was Julio, and he was a short, like, he was, like, nine years old. He was, like, short, like, really fat, and he had a suit and tie on, and I looked at this kid, and I was, like, and he was, like, super bummed out that he had to be at this graduation, right? And A, I, you know, I was, like, I feel you. B, uh, you are me when I was a kid, right? Because I was really fat, and I was really bummed out all the time, right? And, uh... So I went up, to, you know, I went up to Julio and I was like, what's up, man? And he was just like, what's up, fool? And I was like, what's up with you? And he was just like chilling. Right. And I was like, OK. And uh, he was telling me about how his sister graduated. He was bummed. He didn't want to be there. Right. And I was like, well, shit, bro. Like, uh, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, and he looked at me straight up and he was just like, I want to be an engineer. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. You're tight as fuck. Now, I don't know. Uh, he was nine, right? So I don't even know if he really knew what he was saying. You know, I don't really know if kids can read by the time they're nine. Um, I didn't watch that episode of Planet Earth. But like, I was like, okay, uh, you're a tight ass kid. And then so I started talking to him about like, you know, the Shanghai Tower, right? I was like, okay, you want to be an engineer? Let's talk about some tight engineering shit, right? Shanghai Tower like what do you know about it and he was just like nothing and I was like okay well don't trip like I usually would hate you for that but you're tight I'm gonna lace you right and maybe set this fucking kid on a path to become an engineer right so I told him about how wind hits skyscrapers makes them sway right so then but the engineers of the Shanghai Tower which is one of the tallest buildings in the world um, I think it's the second tallest could be wrong um, and how it has this like helix sort of, uh, aspect to the building that deflects the wind at these different angles. So it really, really like minimalizes the sway in the wind, right? Cause it's a super tall building. And he was just like, I don't know how much he was getting of it, but he was like, Oh, that's really cool. And I was like, fool, you don't know shit, but yeah, it is really cool. Right. So then. I was looking at this kid and I was like, damn, you actually, as cliche as it sounds, like you actually are the future. When I was nine, right, I wasn't doing shit, but being a diehard Raiders fan, right, and like probably throwing fireworks in the middle of the street and shit, right? But this fool was like, I want to be an engineer. And I was like, Julio, let me tell you straight off the bat, like you are tight, okay? Like you're short, you're a little bit chubby, right? A lot of bit chubby, but that's tight, right? Because you still want to be an engineer. None of that shit matters. Your fucking brain matters, right? And he was like, yeah, that's right. And I was like, cool, man. So then I was like, I'm going to test this kid out, right? So there is one vertical shaft in, uh, there's one elevator in the Shanghai Tower that goes from the very bottom to the very fucking top, right? All the way. That's one fucking open shaft that goes, what, like 200 stories or something like that, right? And that is a fucking feat of engineering, if you ever think about it, right? Because 
if you don't compensate for that sway in the fucking in the in the wind you know 200 fucking stories up this vertical shaft is not going to be straight down right it's going to get fucked up and people will die so i was like julio how do you think they did that man and he was like i don't know uh i'm just a kid and shit but then he thought about it and and he was like maybe you do it one floor at a time and i was like dude julio you're fucking tight, dude. Let me tell you, you're fucking tight because that is true. You just use fucking mathematics and engineering, right? Julio, right? And then fucking precision construction technique to create this vertical shaft one floor at a time. So I looked at Julio and I said, Julio, A, you're tight. B, you're going to be tight, right? And C, there's only one thing you have to do in this life, okay? And that is make it happen. All right. So like there's, you can do all this other shit, but when it comes to engineering, right, what do you have to do? And that fool just looked up at me and he said, I just got to make it happen. And I was like, man, fuck yeah, Julio. And I fucking gave him a little pat on the back. And I was like, you're tight fool. Go kill it. Right. In life. I meant, you know, not in the fucking graduation or whatever, but it did give me hope that there are some fucking cool kids out there and that's really tight that one kid wants to be an engineer the whole point of this whole thing was julio that fool is sick as fuck um so i got a lot of tight news for you today i did some digging i did some research and what i found is some scary shit right so i'm gonna get a couple other cool articles out of the way and then we're gonna fucking talk about obama and 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 you guys remember how I told that fool, I know what you're up to. Well, let me tell you, I do know what the fuck he's up to. And I'm going to let you fools know. But first, let's hit some other news articles. Ready? 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 Here's some bullshit that happened somewhere today. Okay, over at telegraph.co.uk, humans will become godlike cyborgs within the next 200 years. Um, If you've ever read into transhumanism, singularity, more more transhumanism, but uh, you'll probably know everything about this shit and transhumanism is one of my favorite things on the planet and ever since i read about it the only question i've been asking is where the fuck do i sign up because i'm trying to be a part of some like trial run you know what i'm saying but so the idea is we all know the theory of technology's exponential growth right so this year's technology is based on last year's technology which is at that time was the newest technology right so if you think about that use new technology to make new technology it has this exponential curve to its growth right and the idea and it seems very realistic to me is that that technological growth is way faster than biological evolution okay so it seems that if the machines and technology are growing this fast as compared to our evolutionary development the next step in human evolution and this is transhumanism at its finest right transhumanism 101 i'm lacing you right now okay and this will help you in the future because you can't get away from the robots uh like i've said before but so the idea is that the next step in human evolution, right, is solely going to be through technology, through integrating our biological bags of meat, which is our body, with this technology, mechanical technology, right? So that is really fucking cool, A, and B, seems pretty inevitable, right? So as machines get smaller and smaller, we can start 
combining it with ourselves on a molecular level, right? So we're sitting around and we're waiting for nanotechnology to explode, which it will, and um, I think, and then we're gonna start integrating it into our lives, but also into our physical bodies, right? So imagine a bunch of nano robots that you could like inject into your bloodstream and I don't know, like time release oxygen into your blood, okay? So then that way you could run indefinitely, which sounds fucking tight. Or you could swim and hold your breath for six hours, you know? That's cool. Imagine some sort of mechanically engineered skin that can harden on any sort of impact, right? This shit is all being thought of. This isn't the first time we've, like, anybody's talked about it. I'm not that smart, you know what I'm saying? This is all being A, thought of, and I would be willing to bet that somewhere, secretly, in some fucking weird government lab, it's being created as we speak, as me and you are speaking right now, right? Um, but the tightest part of all this, and I think sort of like an end game, is, so your brain is a bunch of electrical signals, right? Being shot and being and being collected by these receptors, right? And then processed in all these different areas of the brain, blah, 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 blah. So imagine if you could take these nanorobots and inject them into your brain and these things, these little robots could intercept these electrical signals that make up you, your consciousness, everything about you, right? So imagine if you could intercept those signals and then retrieve the robots, upload that shit onto the internet, right? Which is you, that's your consciousness up on the internet. And then as long as that serve or that like internet is there, you live forever, which seems fucking cool and seems like the matrix. And if you know me, uh, there's few things that I like more in life than in than the matrix, right? And if you know me, you also know that I'm pretty convinced that we're already living in a, a simulation, like a digital simulation, but that's a whole nother episode, right? Um, I'll talk to you guys about that shit whenever. Just wrote an article about it, uh, and hopefully you guys will see it. Maybe I'll just post it on like the fucking uh, Talkful website or whatever the fuck, right? So like I said, the end result seems to be like once we start integrating with mechanical technology, our biological side is what deteriorates and what decays and our cells break down and then we die, right? But if we start to replace more and more of that with mechanical technology that we can A, repair and B, upgrade, right? It seems like it would lead to very prolonged life, if not immortality, right? So when I say the next step in evolution, I literally mean like us to the humans of the future, these transhumanism, like these transhumans is the same ratio as like chimpanzees compared to us, right? So that's how crazy it would be. That's how different it would be. So it does totally suck when you start getting into this sort of thing. And the, the reason that the singularity is kind of scary, because I'm all about that shit, right? Technology getting to a point where we don't really even understand it anymore. We can't comprehend it with our feeble human minds, right? Um, the scary part about that and the whole in Ray Kurzweil's theory, I think, um, because if you don't know Ray Kurzweil, he has a singularity theory of the most beautiful, euphoric, fucking technology is going to cure and heal all 
we're all going to be hella happy, blah, blah, blah. So, but the flaw there, I think, is that knowing humans and how shitty we are and current state of the world, not just the US, but the entire world, right? As this technology gets more and more prevalent, it's obviously going to be very expensive, right? So it seems like this whole transhumanist movement will have a big impact sociologically and economically, right? So if the technology is coming out and it's super expensive, um, it seems like it would just create, like the more and more prevalent it gets in our society, it seems like it would create this bigger and bigger gap between the classes, lower class, higher class. And then once you start integrating this technology for our general survival, right, it seems like the scary part is in the future, the rich will live on and the poor will slowly die because of our garbage meat infested bodies, right? So that's some scary thing to think about. Uh, but, you know, I'm always down for some sort of like cyber uh, cyborg lower class uprising. You know what I'm saying? Because this is my argument. This on the other hand, this is my other argument against that. Right. I also feel at the same time, I, you know, I totally think that it will create separation between the classes. And I think it's scary. But I also think that with how like prevalent the internet is now and hackers and the deep web and 3D printing and blah, 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 who knows? Like we might be able to leak a lot of this technology to the masses and maybe reproduce it in a way more affordable fashion. And that sounds cool. I really hope it happens before 200 years because I want to be a part of all of it. Uh, I really feel like my only way to actually get into the NFL is to incorporate some sort of robotic shit because I was uh, cursed with being six feet tall. You know what I'm saying? It's awful. I would give anything to be six five if I had some adjustable robot fucking femurs. You know what I'm saying? It'd be tight, but I don't. So sign me up. I'm looking for that shit online. Let me know if you ever find any sort of trial runs. Send the link my way. I'm in that shit. Okay, moving on. Over at io9s, okay, this isn't the newest thing, but I've been obsessed with it for a long time. It totally fucking blows my mind, and hopefully it'll be new to some of you, okay? So over at io9, the gruesome and excruciating practice of mummifying your own body, right? Kind of uh, the opposite thing we were just talking about. So a lot of us saw the Buddhist statue that was found in China that had the human body inside of it, right? That shit was crazy. We are all like, what the fuck? And then I looked in to it and I found out exactly that. I found out what the fuck, right? So this is a practice that seems to originated in the Yamagata region in northern Japan. It's like a mountain region. And there was a certain school of Buddhists that lived there and they were called the Shingon Buddhists, right? Now the process of self-mummification itself is called Sokoshinbutsu, which translates to Buddha in the flesh, all right? Now this shit is fucking gnarly, okay? Uh, so the idea was, was that if you could totally preserve your body after you die, you would be considered to have reached enlightenment, right? And would be considered a Sokoshinbutsu or a Buddha in the flesh, again. So the crazy part about all this is the discipline it takes to pull this shit off, right? 
So the main part of it is dietary. It's diet and exercise, which is fucking mind blowing because nobody can do that nowadays. But so, and this is all coming from the dude that can't quit the fucking super burrito. All right. I've tried. It's, it's a disease, but so this is the process. It's fucking mind blowing. Let me know what you think about it. Okay. So the process of self mummification goes like this. It was split up into three 1,000-day increments, all right? So 1,000 days at a time, it's almost three years. Mind-blowing. So for the first 1,000 days, these monks would exercise very rigorously, and this go, the exercise goes all throughout, so it is fucking crazy. Um, but for the first 1,000 days, the monks would only eat nuts and berries and certain kinds of seeds, right? That's it. Uh, it's, you know, it sounds sort of like, well, like, well, it's not that crazy, but it is that crazy because you're only eating that shit for three years straight. Right. So you're, you're doing this. The whole idea behind self mummification is to expel all the moisture from your body. Right. Um, and your fat, because that is what decays. That's what starts the process of decay, uh, after you die. So first thousand days you're eating nuts you're eating berries you're eating certain like certain kinds of seeds right next thousand days they move on they continue the exercise but they move on to a thousand days of eating only tree bark um roots and fucking pine needles okay so again getting all the moisture out of there your life probably sucks really bad right now because you're not like you're not eating shit and you're exercising a lot okay but then it gets even fucking worse. So then that's 2000 days, almost six years, right? Of eating pretty much fucking nothing. And then you're going to actually eat nothing for the next thousand days. You do eat, not eat, you do drink a certain tea that is made from this poisonous sap of a tree called the Arushi tree. Now they would use the sap as lacquer to, to coat their bowls so you can understand what this sap does to moisture right um so this arushi tea would it would induce violent vomiting on a daily basis right so you're rapidly expelling all this bodily fluids and then b it this is kind of crazy it added like a certain toxicity to their bodies so after they died it would prevent maggots and other creatures like insects and anything from consuming their body, right? So all these natural creatures would be like, oh fuck, this fool's toxic as fuck. Uh, I'm not gonna fuck with them. So that's 3,000 days. You start off nuts, berries, and seeds. You move on to tree bark, roots, and pine needles. And then you only drink this tea that makes you puke all the time, right? That totally sucks. By now, you're literally, you have probably next to no fat and next to no moisture, okay? So then the last part of this is they would go into these tombs, these like really small tombs, okay? And they were only big enough for the monks to sit up in lotus position in. And in these tombs, they had a breathing straw that would go to the outside so they could breathe, and they had a bell. And they would chant every day, breathe through the straw, do their chants, do their meditation, and ring this bell once a day. And the bell was to tell the villagers, hey, I'm still alive in here, okay? So the villagers would patiently wait, and one day when the bell stopped ringing, that meant he was dead. So then they would plug this breathing hole, seal the tomb, 
for fucking, you guessed it, a thousand more days, okay? And so after a thousand more days, they would open up this tomb, they would look at these fools, and then they would decide, hey, you passed, hey, you fail, like whatever. So they would look at him if they had any sort of decay, any sort of decomposition, there would be like a pat on the butt, like, hey, great, like effort, A for effort, like nice try, but uh, you're just dead now and that totally sucks. But if they were preserved, they would worship these people as gods. So it was a toss up. Um, you were doing this shit for, you know, a lot of your life and you don't even know if it's really going to work out for you. So that's pretty crazy. And the discipline again is fucking mind blowing. And I hate throwing up. It's the worst feeling in the world. So I don't think I could do this sort of thing. Um, but yeah just read into it. It's really fucking crazy. There's a lot of cool pictures of fools that are just straight up preserved in Lotus position and it's fucking crazy. Okay. Next, this is what I was talking about. So you guys remember when I tweeted at Obama and I said, look, man, like it's all good. We're cool. We're not that cool, but like, I know what you're up to just letting you know, right? Well, in light of recent events, I saw, okay, well, I'm just going to, okay. Phillyvoice.com. Senate votes to give Obama fast-track trading authority, okay? So, if you don't know what fast-track trading authority is, I'm not even mad at you because you have to look for the shit, okay? So, <clears throat> the thing about Obama and fast-track trading authority. So, fast-track trading authority gives the president the authority to push trades through, like, like trade treaties or trade agreements, bills, basically, the, he it gives him the ability to push these through to Congress, okay, which is always what happens. But with fast track trading, the whole point of it is to get these trade treaties pushed through and approved or denied. And once, okay, first off, this shit hasn't been around since 2007, right? Uh, I believe so, but now it just got approved. And so the thing with fast track trading is he gives these bills to Congress. Okay, these trade agreements to Congress and Congress has to either approve or deny them, but they're not the crazy part is they're not allowed to look at the details. Okay, which is fucking crazy. Like, how can you tell Congress to approve or deny something if they're not allowed to make amendments and they're not allowed to even review the shit? Okay, certain members of Congress are allowed to look at it, but it's only certain ones and they're not even allowed to see the whole thing. Okay. Now, to understand how truly crazy this shit is, okay, you have to dig a little deeper. And don't worry, I did it for you, all right? So to understand why fast-track trading is fucking crazy, right, you have to understand a couple other things. One of them is the TPP, okay? It's the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Now, if you don't know what the Trans-Pacific Partnership, again, don't trip because it's complicated as fuck. But it goes beyond that, dude. Like, I'm going to let you know. So, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it is a trade agreement that is, or, or better explained as an investment treaty. Listen to those words, investment treaty, okay? And it is an investment treaty uh, proposal to a bunch of different countries. And the countries including, but not limited to, are the U.S., Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, and Vietnam, okay? 
so that's a lot they're looking to add some more but you never know okay so anyways it started in 2005 and what was supposed to be agreed upon it was supposed to be agreed upon by 2012 but there's a couple issues with it a it's corrupt as fuck and b it's classified okay so the information in this trade agreement is classified and that's not fucking cool okay so me like average fools like me and like you we can't go look at this shit and that's sketchy very sketchy to say the least okay so i'm i'm sorry this is like a you know i have a lot of notes on this shit and i'm just throwing it all at you so there's any questions like email me or do some research on your own this shit is crazy and it is it is proof of a double speak which i'll get into and but we have all known that you know we all know that shit but it's just proof that this nation is not a fucking democracy okay we think it is and we laugh about how corrupt it is but it's true. It's not a democracy at all. And I heard a lot about this shit on um, Common Sense with Dan Carlin. He kind of points you in the direction of where you should be researching and shit like that. And he brings up a good point, okay? Athens, the birthplace of democracy, right? Democracy worked there because of the scale, okay? The scale of how many people there are. So democracy seems like a fucking failure to me because if I'm voting in a fucking... If I'm voting on an issue in a town of 10,000, my vote is one of 10,000, which it seems like a little, but compared to one of fucking 2 billion, that is a lot, you know what I'm saying? So when your population starts rising, the more people you have in a democracy, the less your fucking vote matters, okay? Uh, and I don't think your vote matters anyways, because I'm not rich, you know what I'm saying? My vote, that's what I meant. Um, so... Anyways, okay, so back to the TPP, right? Trans-Pacific Partnership. So the I'm going to get to why it's really corrupt, but first you need to understand some surface-level things, okay? So one of the first things about the TPP is it's obviously supposed to open up a lot of trade avenues between all these countries, right? Obvious. So whatever. But then the other, this is where doublespeak comes into play, okay? Listen to these words, all right? One of the main things that the TPP is supposed to achieve is to promote agricultural innovation, right? Now listen to those two words, agricultural innovation. We're going to get back to that. Um, and then the other one is to like uh, promote economic growth and development in all these other countries, right? Um, whether they need economic growth and, and development uh, is debatable because a lot of these countries are like, hey, man, we've been doing fine. I know Japan is one of them that's like, dude, why do I want to open up my agriculture to you? You know, uh, but that's one of a million reasons that it hasn't been passed yet. So, um, so now I'm going to let you know what it really what it really does. So we said it's classified, which is true. It sucks. We can't look it up. Um, but now in this age of information, the beautiful women and men over at WikiLeaks have hooked us up as they like to do. So WikiLeaks published this entire 
listen to my words, this entire 30,000 page document, right? That's fucking crazy. Why is this trade agreement 30,000 pages and why can't we fucking read it, right? But so WikiLeaks published this 30,000 page document and what was already controversial became extremely controversial, right? Because a couple things came into light. Um, one of them was, let me see here. Okay, boom. Okay, so one of the corrupt things and really fucking scary things that this agreement will allow is the patenting of more and more plant life, right? So that is crazy. That is scary. We all know who made patenting plant life fucking fashionable and that's Monsanto and that we all know their really sketchy tactics of making trillions of dollars off that shit okay so again all these countries they don't really have a choice if they want this quote-unquote economic like economic development they have to allow for the patenting of their plants right and so that's sketchy uh <clears throat> also let's see and oh yeah so that brings back to the whole doublespeak thing, agricultural innovation, right? What does that mean? Does that mean patenting life? Yes, it does. In this case, you know, it can mean a million different things. It's very sketchy, right? So doublespeak, start to learn it. Um, so the second thing that I pulled from this 30,000 page document, and keep in mind, I'm just throwing a couple things at you. There's a lot of really gnarly shit in here, okay? So the second thing that the TPP does is it gives corporations the ability to sue entire countries and their governments if that country's laws interfere with profit, okay? That is fucking crazy, right? So that's, that's mind-blowing. So we all know that in this capitalist society, uh, there are certain rules passed that makes literally makes these corporations into like entities that are allowed to do a lot of things that companies shouldn't be allowed to do. And one of the ones that tops the fucking list is sue a whole country, right? So it just kind of seems backwards to me. Um, but yeah, so if this country, you know, pays a certain amount of money to their workers and the and it's violating, or if this corporation pays a certain amount of money to the workers and it's violating the laws of the country, instead of abiding to what that country is, or that, yeah, what instead of abiding to the laws of that country, this corporation now has the ability to sue that country, right? That's fucked up and that is very sketchy. Um, again, Obama, I know what you're up to, okay? Um, so three, and this was one of the scariest ones to me. Okay. Uh, so this section of the TPP is going to outlaw any com competing pharmaceutical companies that are abroad. So if there is a company that's making cancer medicine, that is, or any medicine that is helping with cancer, that's cancer medicine sounds really ignorant, but if you're making anything that helps with cancer and it's not already patented by the US, their formula, then it's illegal, right? That is insane. So it looks to outlaw the competing pharmaceutical companies abroad unless they start using already US patented formulas developed by major US pharmaceutical companies. That means affordable medicine for like cancer, HIV, AIDS, and a number of heart diseases are out the fucking window. So. Once these countries sign these agreements, they have to start using the U.S. patented fucking pharmaceutical shit, right? 
and that is crazy because economically they probably can't afford it right i can't afford shit but in indonesia or wherever in malaysia they need this affordable medicine right so it's sketchy uh that's just a couple of them you know uh we're on a time limit so i could go on and on but i highly urge you to just go peep this shit on WikiLeaks. Uh, I don't expect anybody to read 30,000 pages, but people have done it for you. So look it up. There's a lot of intense shit out there about this thing. Um, lastly, this I forgot to say this in the beginning, but a stipulation of this agreement, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, right? One of the stipulations that came out is that the people of the United States and all these other countries involved, the citizens, we said it's classified, right? Okay, but it is to remain classified until four years after its implementation. How counterproductive and how counter-democratic is that, right? So the whole thought of keeping a trade agreement secret from the people because they would disapprove it if they knew that is not democratic okay it is fucking so insane that that is logic that our country uses i'm not making this shit up you can go find this shit on the internet right it's crazy um so that's just a few of the stipulations in this crazy ass agreement but i'm not even finished yet when it comes okay this shit is insane so who's helping with this agreement right is it this just the u.s government no I will tell you why. So the US government, they created a committee to help out with the writing of this bill, the writing of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and to help with negotiations, okay? So they created a team called the Industry Trade Advisory Committee, okay? And who does it consist of? The Industry Trade Advisory Committee includes, ready? AT&T, General Electric, Apple, Dow Chemical, Nike, Walmart, and the American Petroleum Institute. I'm going to let you sit on that for a second. Crazy, right? It's a bunch of huge fucking corporations that are helping write this bill and they're giving it, they're being advisors to the people in the government that are working on it, okay? Industry Trade Advisory Committee. That's fucking crazy. I know what you're up to, dogs. This shit is not cool. Um, so now you understand all that about the TPP, right? So now, now that you know that about the TPP, how fucking crazy it is, think about it's been trying to get pushed through since 2005. It's not working. And now, out of nowhere, Obama is approved for fast-track trading. Let's take it full circle. What is fast-track trading again? It means that Obama can give this trans-pacific partnership to congress and they're not allowed to look at the details they have to say yes or no so it puts these congressmen in a spot where it's like uh well i do want uh fucking you know brunei to have agriculture development um but i can't look at exactly what they're talking about so shit i'm in a tough spot and so it kind of just puts these fools on the spot to where they have to say yes or no. And we all know how corrupt as fuck and how integrated our government is with big corporations. 
I'm going to bet you all my money right now, which I don't have that much money, but I will bet you everything I have that this shit goes through. You want to bet? And uh, I don't really touch upon it, but you can look it up. There's also another one, and it has to do with the EU, and it is very similar, and it's called the TTIP, Trans uh, International uh, Something Something Something. But uh, it is fucking nutty, and that is why we have to be on our toes. Like I said before, we have to tell these people, we have to do a little bit of research, and we have to tell these fucking people, I know what you're up to. You know what I'm saying? That is some crazy shit, and it is some really crazy shit that is so counter-democratic, it is fucking crazy, okay? So we live in a country where, A, we're not even allowed to look at the details, and B, we're not even allowed to know anything until four years after it's passed. That is really not cool. It is a fucking crazy world that we live in. It is so far from democracy, okay? But anyways... That is fast track trading. That is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And that is incredibly fucking lame. Okay? So, there you go. So, for our next block of music, um, we're going to get real punk as fuck. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to play a couple songs for you. This is Poison Girls with Persons Unknown. This is tight. Punk, fool. Really? 
that was Poison Girls with Persons Unknown off of their split with Crass. If I'm not mistaken, it's the only band that Crass ever did a split with, which is tight as fuck. Um, peace and a knock, bro. Uh, yeah, and then followed by Donna Human's Mangled Puzzle off of their LP, Slurping at the Cosmos Spine, which is a really tight name for an LP. Um, members of Crazy Spirit, if I'm not mistaken, love that band, dude. Uh, that whole scene out there is just fucking killing it um, on the East Coast. But yeah, I mean, always has, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, so those are two tight songs. Um, real quick, before we get to the interview, uh, I'm working on a website, okay? So, because let me tell you, SoundCloud fucking sucks. And every time I take uh, two hours to upload an episode, I'm just like, This is horse shit! You know what I'm saying? Because it absolutely is horse shit. And then, on top of that, they want you to pay for how much, blah, 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 fuck that. Um, so, I'm working on a website. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to download the shit so you don't have to stream it because that's also garbage. Um, but yeah, it's all a big process and it's coming along great. Uh, I want to also have a spot on the website for some of this art that people have been sending in. We can make that a thing, get some people, uh, some more people involved, you know what I'm saying? And then we'll just switch it up, just have a bunch of different artists have their shit on the website for fun, right? Because that's all that matters in life fun um so yeah i'm gonna get straight into this interview uh, i'm really trying to not I, mean, I don't want these like every episode to be two fucking hours long you know what i'm saying so uh i'm gonna stop talking as much so here you go this is the fucking titus fool brian proto um i asked him what song to open with and he was like uh you can play one of my songs and i was like Okay, I had no idea because I'm a shit friend. So this is my dog, Brian Proto, with Rain and Bloom. And as far as the interview, we had a couple Wi-Fi hiccups, but it came out great. So I will see you motherfuckers on the other side. Peace.
I'm gonna be honest with you fools. When it comes to visual arts, you might as well be speaking English to me because I obviously don't understand shit about that. I truly only know what I like. And this next fool in my eyes might as well be the damn Super Bowl champ. I've known Brian Proto for a while now and it's always tight as fuck to mean someone who understands the hard working side of art. This fool moved to the Bay with one goal in mind and drew every fucking day until he achieved it. His work will make me think, oh my god, this is so beautiful, while simultaneously transporting me back to my, like, young, throwing up in the corner and crying days. Not only is he a wonderful human being, but he also did my UFO, I want to believe tattoo, heart. Please welcome the great artistic mind between Nature's Mortez and Clovenhoof Illustrations, Brian Proto. What's up, dog? Hey, dude. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? I'm good, man. I fucking, uh, missing you, dude. Like... We used to, yeah, dude, it sucks, like, not living close to you anymore, but... I know, all my friends are gone now. Oh, really? Damn. They all moved to L.A. I know. I think there's uh, only one piece of the puzzle missing, dog, and that's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Move there. What's that? I'd never move there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I was, like, I was not sure at first, you know, like, I've only, like, played shows and kicked it here, like like partied here and shit but like man i don't know like I, I i really enjoy it now dude i don't know it's like it's done some good shit for me dude i don't know gives me like space to be productive and stay at my house i haven't lived in a fucking neighborhood for since i was like fucking you know 16 or something so it's kind of yeah. like kind of removed like able to be productive and if i feel like going out and doing something i can which usually ends up me be just like staying home, not doing shit. <laughs> but uh, so, uh, yeah, man. Uh, hey, how you been? Everything's good with you? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, Scott back from England not that long ago. Oh, that's right. Fuck yeah, dude. How did that go? It was cool. Uh, I really like it there. Um, it was really pretty. Everything's really old. Yeah. Which I like. The food is terrible. Oh my god, dude! It's so gnarly, but, dude. I remember being like uh, English breakfast. Like this looks bomb, and like fucking eating it, and it just destroyed my fucking life, dude. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is where like American food ignorance came from. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they like they don't understand uh, what vegan is over there. It hasn't like arrived yet. Yeah. Uh, they throw every vegetable they have at you, and without any seasoning and think that you'll be happy with that yeah 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 totally and like yeah it's like i think we're kind of spoiled like coming from the bay and you know as far as like you know produce because it's so fucking good there and then you go yeah. to like new york you dude you go to new york and it's fucking total dog shit so cross that ocean the big drip and then it's like even fucking worse dude but uh yeah yeah, man, it's fucking good to talk to you. I'm super happy to get someone a little outside of the music thing. I mean, you're obviously deeply intertwined with it, but like, I love, yeah. you know, you just have a different approach from it and that's visual art and it's something that's completely fucking foreign to me, <laughs> like it, it, entirely. <laughs> um, but also, man, like it's good to talk to someone that I just have like a personal relationship with because A, you did my favorite tattoo I have. Uh, tied for favorite because you know I got to give love to the Raider Shield, but uh, yeah, yeah, the UFO, the UFO, and the Raider Shield are just fucking pinnacle of tattoos for me. So it's like, you know, that's my shit. And it was like, but it's weird. 
got your Raiders tattoo outside of Oakland. I think that's a little weird. Yeah, you know, it was a it was an opportunity thing, and Kevin Kevin Leary is my dog, so I was just like, let's fucking do it, you know. Um, maybe I'll just get a second one. I was talking about, cause you know, it's on my <laughs> chest and I was like talking about how funny it'd be to have one like in the exact same spot, like on my back, like in reverse or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, I'll just get like some sort of like, like me, I think me and Carrie were talking about, I should, I'm just going to get some sort of like my skin's ripping off and like underneath it is like, like my heart with like a Raider shield on it or something. <laughs> some cool. Super ridiculous bro tattoo. I'm, you know, I'm a bro, so I could take it. Um, well, yeah, let's uh, let's jump into this interview. I'm stoked to do it because it's seriously like, I don't, you know, I, I can relate to you with a lot of stuff that we like. Uh, but as far as art, you know, like this shit's kind of new, you know, new to me and like foreign to me. And it's fucking good to ask like one of my dogs questions about it, you know, because it's like I can talk to you like it's that whole thing that like, you know, when you're tattooing me, it's like this whole different environment that I've, I've experienced tattooing, you know, since I was young and unless I was like doing it myself or like, which always came out fucked up, but I really, I really like it. But like (laughs) either doing it myself or like with a close friend, like fuck going to tattoo places, man. Like it's entirely fuck it, dude. Like I never had a good experience going somewhere to get tattooed by somebody except for with you, you know? And like, I mean, you know, if I, it's just, it was just foreign, man. Like, I don't know, stepping into someone else's element and like, they usually think they're like total hot shit, you know? And it's like, uh, it's like hard for me to handle. But, um, you know, first I was just wondering, like a lot of people probably like, what was Brian Proto's like, give me a little bit of insight on your path, like to how you got to what you do now, you know? Um, well, I've been drawing like for pretty much as long as I can remember. I like, I always liked doing it and I always got like positive reinforcement, like from my parents and like my fam- family to like keep doing it. So it's just something I kind of like always did like through school and everything. And like, when it like came time to like think about college and stuff, I like didn't couldn't really think of anything else I wanted to do. Like I hadn't done anything for as long as I'd done art. So it just seemed like I should go to in San Francisco art Institute. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was the only school I applied for and I got in. So Tight. I went there for a couple semesters, but, uh, I don't know, like, I wasn't really prepared for it, I guess. Uh, Like, I didn't really know what I wanted to say, like, as an artist, I didn't have, like, a clear vision, and I know, like, part of going to school is finding that, but, like, the cost of going to, like, a nice art school, and, like, it just got to be, like, a distraction, and I felt like I didn't really belong there, and, like, SFAI was, like, really conceptual, and uh, I was more interested in just like, you know, like illustrating something a little more straightforward mm-hmm. um, rather than making any sort of like political or like deeply personal statement. So uh, I dropped out and pretty much like quit art for a couple years, um, only did it here and there and 
I was still taking classes at City College in San Francisco, and I took a modern art history. And uh, after I completed that course, I got asked to come back as a TA. So I was uh, I essentially took it twice, and that during that second time taking art history again and really looking at all like the paintings and like hearing all the stories about like the painters behind them and all the different styles I like could really like better pick out the things that I liked Mm -hmm. about doing art and the styles and direction and uh it like kind of got me into drawing again and uh started drawing more and taking less classes and uh just kind of got back into it that's awesome dude I mean, yeah, I'm fucking, obviously I'm glad you got back into it. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. cool. Um, well that, yeah, one of my questions and I'll just throw it right now. It was like, did you, uh, did you feel like it sounds like you did get some, some good stuff out of art school. Did you feel in the end that it was something that helped you in, you know, in the long run or like, or was it just like sort of a, a waste of money to you? Cause a lot of times, like for me, I love writing and like, I, I, you know, I'm, I've naturally, I've been pretty, you know, okay with words and shit and like sentence structure, but sometimes I wish I had this like remedial, like, like instruction on it, you know, cause I didn't do shit when I was young in school, you know, but like, do you ever yeah. you feel like that school experience was for you? It definitely wasn't a waste. Like, I don't, I don't regret going, um, because it, it got me to San Francisco which oh, was like yeah. the most important part. I think like I'd wanted to live in San Francisco ever since I was young and I visited it when I was younger. Um, so that just that first step of like getting me here was good. And then I don't know, like I had some really good professors, like some really good drawing teachers and like I learned some technical things, but just like, I don't know. I think the experience overall was positive and like, even making me feel like I had to stop drawing was like, I think was really critical for me uh, to like get back into it. Mm -hmm. I think that like frustration and that like, I don't know, sometimes quitting really helps realize what you really want to do. Like taking a step away from it makes you realize that, you know, it really is what you want to do with your life. Definitely. Um, all right. So yeah, like, uh, in the beginning, like, did you see yourself like when you, before you went out to art school and before you did all that stuff, like, did you see yourself like wanting to work like with bands and do, do band art? Cause I'm, you know, it seems like you're super, I mean, I know you really well. I know that you're super knowledgeable about music and shit. So, you know, I'm, I'm just assuming that you were always down but like, was that a direction you wanted to go in or in like tattooing and stuff? Or was it just more of like a flowing, like opportunity thing that happened in life? Um, it's a little bit of both, like getting really into music, like in like middle and high school and like, like album art was just as important as like the music to me. Like if an album was really good and had a shitty album cover, it like, kind of took away from it a little bit and being super into a band like tool and like seeing uh all the effort they put into 
their album art like got me really interested in like the visual side of music also but uh definitely my goal was set on tattooing that's like why i wanted to go to the bay and why i wanted to go to art school to get into tattooing and yeah but um that seemed really unattainable just like like you were talking about like the intimidation of like going into tattoo shops and like also not feeling confident in the work that I was making. So I kind of like kind of forgot about the whole notion of being a tattooer and like, and when I started drawing again and, you know, by that point I was like friends with a lot of people making cool music and I sort of kind of just fell into doing for bands before I even like started apprenticing for tattooing. Yeah, that's tight. Yeah, it was probably, it seems like a, a lot of the same shit I went through, man. Like, I went to the Bay Area. I didn't know anybody, you know what I'm saying? And all I knew was, like, I'm just going to, that's, when you told me before, you know, like, you just went to the Bay and you, like, you. I think you mentioned it when we were hanging out somewhere sometime, and you just, like, drew every day and, like, it was the same sort of thing for me, dude. And I would, like, meet all these people in bands and let me, like, you know, most of these people are fucking dickheads, you know? And, like... Uh, you know, it was hard to be like comforting your music and shit. And I feel like we both did the same thing. We just kind of waited it out and just kept working and found people that are fucking cool, you know, and people yeah. you're comfortable with and shit. Totally. Didn't really like, I didn't like look for any of it, you know, I mean, yeah. I didn't like, I didn't really just like kind of unfolded. Like I was really into music and I was dedicated to like going to shows and like supporting bands I liked and, and with my apprenticeship too, just like I met an artist I really liked and I I kept going to him and that turned into an apprenticeship and the, my relationship with bands turned into like a working relationship with art. That's tight, dude. Yeah. And it's like so beneficial to everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like totally. you're doing something you like and like you're helping people, your friends out and shit, just like you doing this interview for me. <laughs> you know that's tight um so what like now you know me, either right now or just like in in your life like what what are your favorite like tools to work with when it comes to your art like what's your medium that you really enjoy and like what what stuff do you enjoy working with um for illustration i've always just done pen and ink mm-hmm. um just i don't know i like the way it looks and it's like it's pretty simple for me. It's like, and it's not really messy cause I'm really messy. Yeah. So it's like, I don't like ruin things as much by like spilling anything. Um, and yeah, tattooing like ink on skin. That's pretty fun. Yeah, totally. So like, as far as like uh, band art and stuff, uh, do you prefer, so when a band asks you to do something for them, do you prefer to like listen to the album that you're doing it for or, or do you prefer to like not, you know, do you want that, that influence in your mind from their music, uh, specifically that you're working on or would you prefer to just do it and not have that sort of thing in your head? Um, I think when I like first started doing it, I really wanted to like listen to it and like absorb it and like read the lyrics and like have that really influence like what I was 
going to draw, but, like, now, I, I feel like I can't, eat, like, be bothered with that or something, you yeah. know? Like, I'd rather just, like, like, if I have an idea, just go with it. Like, and sometimes that doesn't really work out because I'll show somebody something and they're like, oh, that's not what we were thinking at all. Yeah. And maybe it would have, like, helped if I had listened or something first, but... Yeah, totally. I don't know. I I think it's cool sometimes when like there's um sort of like a a difference or a separation between like the the art and the music. Like if something's really like dark and heavy, if like the album cover is like maybe not so like scary and evil looking. I love that dynamic too, man. Definitely. Yeah. And I wish a lot more people like felt the same way because it can get really boring if you're like, oh, you're, yeah, we play black metal, so like, it has to be like fucking grim. Dude. When, yeah, you know, it it could be like it could say so much more if it was like a lot more restrained and less literal. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that, dude. I love I love the fact that like it's possible for these two separate artists to create something totally separately and just like through their relationship or through just like, you know, general understanding of what they both appreciate, like something can work together so well, you know, that's a, that's a really tight thing. Yeah. It can also not work so well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, that's what I was going to ask. I was going to, do you, do you usually like to have input from a band? Like, like, do you, do you, would you prefer them like giving you some ideas or, or again, I mean, I guess it's kind of the same along the same lines, but like, would you prefer them like giving you a little bit of input or would you rather just like nothing like that? You know? Yeah. It, some in, input is helpful. Uh, it's because sometimes I like don't have a clue really like what to do. So a lot of the times it's good to have like a little bit of input especially at the beginning. Cause a lot of times like people will tell me after I've already finished the thing, like what they want <laughs> Yeah, It'd be a lot more helpful on the onset of things. Yeah, totally. So where like when <laughs> it's funny. Okay. Cause you know, we've known each other for a while now. And like, when I think of Brian Proto, it's just like, besides all the obvious things, like you're, you're just this like super fucking nice fool. You know what I'm saying? And like, I, I've seen you like, fuck that before, you know, and like, that's always tight, but like, you know, just personally, maybe it's cause like, we're just friends and shit, but like, so is there a line that you draw? Like, like, do you have to, like, I understand you can't absolutely love every band that, you know, asks you to do something, but is there a line that you draw? Like, do you have to like them a little bit or do you, can you, are you able to like separate that from, from what you do? Um, yeah, it wasn't always that way. I used to like pretty much take whatever came my way, but I'm lucky that I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, that's a good and feeling. There was like one specific instance where the band that commissioned me was just like the worst, like <laughs> one of the worst things I've ever in my life. Um, something I would never, ever listen to on purpose uh, and uh but i agreed to it because i just gave them like a big figure and they agreed to it but uh but it was this like conflict of like having my name attached to something i 100 percent didn't believe in or like in totally. any way but i uh they 
they dropped all communication with me, and uh, I I never heard from them again. But I got uh, I got some money out of it, and <laughs> I didn't have to have my name on anything that was pure garbage. So. Yeah, that's tight. Was it before or after you were finished with the artwork? <laughs> um, it was after, but I had already gotten my deposit. Yeah, yeah. So it kind and, of worked uh, out for you, and then. Yeah, because I got I got money and I got a piece of art that I could do whatever I wanted with. That's awesome. It wasn't uh, attributed to uh, a garbage band. Yeah, totally. <laughs> did you do you ever feel like if you take something on like that, or when you used to, did you ever feel like, all right, like I don't like this, but I'm gonna fucking make it better with this, like with this cover. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, something? absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think art the the visual art can sometimes like save absolutely dude release like or at least draw somebody in to what was probably kind of mediocre you know Mm -hmm. that's that's definitely happened to me i've definitely checked out bands just because of the artwork absolutely because they you know they have the final you know as as the band you have the final say like this is going to represent this album and shit you know so it's like it's yeah, I totally feel you. When I was a little kid, man, I used to do that with books like really hard, dude. I would like yeah, yeah. read a Same book thing. based on the cover and like, you know, 95% of the time be like this is total garbage, but like I found the Necronomicon because of that when I was like fucking like 10 years old or something and it was just this That's little tight. like occult ass like symbol and shit. Like this is dark. But yeah, it's just shit like yeah, I totally I totally get what you're saying. So, I know this has happened to you probably like multiple times um, because I mean, shit, we've talked about a few of them, but like, can you just give me an example of a band that like hit you up or any project or person that hit you up to do art and you were just like, fuck yeah, dude. Like you were just so over the top excited about it, like just blown away and shit. Yeah, um, definitely. uh, The first one that comes to mind is uh, Mammifer. Oh, um, the project uh, of Faith Colochia and uh, more recently it's her and Aaron Turner's project, but uh, that's that's a band that I've I'd been a fan of for a while and I've been an Aaron Turner nerd since high school. Yeah, totally. Same. Isis and all that, and uh, more recently I did something for Sumac, which is Turner's new like heavy band. Yeah. So like. Both of those are like pretty kind of like surreal yeah. doing work for them. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Same thing, dude. I I think, you know, we played with Sumac in Vancouver and I was just like, this is fucking crazy. Like just like eating like Chinese food with that fool. I was just like, come the fuck on, <laughs> man. Like just I know. looking at him hella mean because I hella like him. Like in my mind, I was just like, you're fucking tight, fool. <laughs> I know. I've had like breakfast with them a couple times and it's just like, I don't know. I feel so. I feel like a a child or something, like sitting next to him, and like I don't know. Yeah, yeah but it's I, a cool feeling. Yeah, for sure. When I found out you were doing like the Year of No Light thing, I was just like, man, I fucking love that band so much, dude. I was so oh, yeah, that stoked was, on that. Yeah, it was like such a good pairing too. Like I don't know their music and just like I've seen a bunch of your art, you know, just from like kicking it and like, dude, I was like. Tim, I was excited about that one. I was like, damn, that's such a good, that's such a tight pairing, dude. Yeah, that was a really cool email to get to, especially since uh, 
that band is like really um, picky about the visual artists they work with and mm-hmm. the people they worked with in the past are illustrators I really admire, like uh, Glenn Smith and uh, uh, fuck, what's his name, uh, Simon Fowler. Mm. So uh, yeah, they're they're ultra specific about who they work with, and so it was pretty. It was a pretty big honor to work with them. That's tight. Yeah, that band's fucking just straight up beautiful, dude. Like, I just, I love that shit, man. Like, I've seen, like, their live performance. Well, I mean, we we saw them live when uh, we played with them in Porto. But, dude, I was just, like, they lived up to every sort of, like, hope that I had for them, man. It was really fucking great. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, me and you, like, one thing I really fucking miss is, like, me and you just, like, meeting up at Timeless and, like, walking through the fucking cemetery you know and like i used to go to the cemetery a lot because i mean it sounds cheesy or whatever but it would help me just like like a it would help me like clear my fucking brain you know i literally used to go there like every day especially before i left the bay area and like it would help me clear my brain and like it just was this like ominous like not even in a bad way just like fucking ominous like presence and do you like does do you like single out environments and does your environment like like when we would kick it at the cemetery does that like help your creativity process just being in a certain environment for you or is it like more um, like a internal thing like you know you find inspiration out of like stuff that you you know just think in your mind or, or whatever you know i mean i think in like different places like make me feel different things and it's not always totally connected to like something creative but um i mean i i have really fond memories of the cemetery as well and hanging out with you there and just like i was just talking the other day about this how there's like definitely a a really specific energy to that place and i totally the chapel of the china yeah i totally yeah it's not even like dark it's not even like i mean there's certain things yeah at all but yeah exactly something about that location and uh i don't know the way it's like laid out or something and or just like how pretty it is i don't know it's yeah i feel the exact same way dude because like i would just go there all the time too and it was never like a negative i never felt anything like negative from it it was just like a beautiful place to hang out and shit you know yeah yeah and the the weird tunnel that they have there it's cool too oh yeah see fuck that tunnel dude like you guys told me about it with all the spiders and and like like yeah fungus eating spiders and shit like dude yeah it was fucking weird and creepy that's so weird dude i'm deep into that tunnel like it was years ago but uh it goes it goes in there pretty far that's crazy I remember I looked I went looking for it because you and Will told me about it I went looking for it and I didn't really I don't I don't think I found it dude like that place is so big and I was like I I remember Will gave me this very like Will description of where to find it like like stay to your right and like you'll see a pond and then keep walking and there's a tunnel and I was like fuck like I saw everything but the tunnel but uh yeah, dude, like, I mean, any time I go down there, I'm actually coming up there pretty soon. Um, we should go there, man. Just kick it, dude. I miss yeah. it. That's, like, one of my favorite. That's one of the main things I miss about Oakland, dude, was going to the cemetery with you and, like, Will and shit, like, fucking, like, getting coffee yeah. at Timeless and then chilling there, dude, because that was such a great place, man. 
that's literally my favorite thing to do is that go to the coffee shop and then go to the cemetery yeah seriously um all right like so enough about like band stuff and shit like that blah blah blah. um so what was i mean i'm sure you've heard this question a million times but like what was the transition like from from you know ink and paper to tattooing like you know what was that like for you? Was it difficult? Was it supernatural? Like, did you practice a lot on yourself? Like, how was it for you? Uh, it was not easy. Uh, mm. Like, I guess, like, having an artistic background helps a little bit, but it's not like the skills just transferred over uh, immediately. And there was some, like, practicing on myself, uh, but I don't know, my the teaching style of like my mentor is just, he was kind of just thrown into it. And I think he kind of wanted to do the same thing to me mm-hmm. a little bit. So I tattooed myself and then I tattooed him and then, uh, just started working on whoever would let me, but yeah, definitely it wasn't just like, Oh, I'll go from drawing on paper and I'll just like do this tattoo and it'll be the same because oh, yeah, it's not, not even close. There's like a million times more stress. Yeah. Involved. yeah. I fucking bet, I, man. Um, is that dude you're talking about? Is that, uh, is that Josh? The guy, Josh? Yeah. 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 See dude, like one of my, dude, one of my favorite tattoo experiences ever, man, was like me, you and him just like kicking in that studio. And we were listening to that fucking podcast about like conspiracy, whatever. And it was like, Oh, like I was in my mind, I was like, Oh, like tattooing can be totally chill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Going somewhere, getting a tattoo can be totally chill. I just never fucking experienced it before, you know? Cause honestly, if I was getting a tattoo from one of my friends, you know, I was always like, this is super tight for a bad tattoo you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> like this is great but like you were you and that fool were just the first time that like everything was chill you know and i didn't give you know i'm totally down with shitty tattoos because it's a time in my life that i'm like commemorating you know mm-hmm. but like god damn dude that was just like a totally different experience and dude that's i've told you before like i'm not gonna i'm you know i'm 30 years old I'm pretty like chill on getting tattoos. Like I'll probably just only get tattoos from you forever, you know, unless that it's works. like, yeah, totally. And, and it's, unless it's like, I don't even know. There's like no real reason for me to like go out and get tattoos from anyone else, dude. It's just like a time. And, and I totally am a firm believer in that. Like the atmosphere of while you're getting tattooed, like totally resonates you know, with throughout your life when you look at that too, that yeah. too, and remember it, you know? Yeah. You could have like the best, like technically aesthetically best looking tattoo, but if the person doing it was a dick or like the vibe of the shop was like hostile or the music was bad, like you'll remember that more than like, like, Oh, I have a, I have this great tattoo by this like amazing person. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I totally agree with that. The other thing is like, for me, it just seems like just through my experience again, I've like, don't do the shit, but I've, you know, I've gotten a lot of tattoos. Like there's a difference between like the, an, an artist that does tattoos and, you know, does them well. And there's a difference between that person and the, and just a tattoo artist, you know what I'm saying? 
that yeah that just has flash and does that shit do you experience that a lot like in i mean it seems like you've been kind of lucky like you get to you know but like have you do you have to experience shit like that a lot uh yeah well i've been super lucky in that i already had um like a a following from illustration so people wanting to get tattooed by me kind of already know the kind of things that i like to do but um yeah I've definitely more and more seen the difference, like you were talking about, between uh, someone who, like, art totally um, is their life versus somebody who is just, like, tattooing and making money um, as, like, a profession, like a job, like... Yeah, yeah. Like, like clocking in and tattooing, clocking out. Yeah, like I can't do that for you, man. Like I can't draw that up for you, but I can I can hook you up with this like Donald Duck, for sure. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of things that I won't do or can't do either. But um, it's it's definitely I definitely wouldn't do something just to like make money. You know, if it was something that I really didn't believe in, like I'm not about to like do any dream catchers on any white people or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that to me is like admirable, man. Like, it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this because I can't give you my full energy, you know, that and like everything, you know, it, it just has to kind of mean something to you also. Like, you know, maybe not mean the world to you, but like, you have to be able to like put your fucking energy towards it, you know, and like care about right. it, you know? Yeah, it's it's better for everyone that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a service to that person, I think, you know, like there's a million it's like I used to say to like like shitty hammered punks, like there's a million people here that will like care about what you're saying, but like I'm just not one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> <laughs> like there's there's a million like yeah. fucking tattoo artists out here that will like totally do that. It's just like not me. You know what I'm saying? It's fucking yeah, That's something I like about you. <laughs> yeah. I mean sometimes it's uh God damn, I wish I could, like, I had this ability to be a little bit, like, nicer, but, you know, whatever, like, people I'm cool with. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great that you, uh, you, you'll never get stuck in a conversation you don't want to be in. Yeah, that's because I'm fucking incapable, man. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I miss, like, fuck, yeah, whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, you know, that's, uh, but that's also why, like, doing this is a lot more fun for me with like friends and shit you know because it's like i fucking like a big reason i started doing this is like i was just like i fucking hate interviews dude you know what i'm saying like i hate interviews like a lot of times they're trying to ask you something to like corner you or get some sort yeah. of stance on some subject like man what the fuck dude like if i'm in, you know i wanted to do a podcast for a long time i'm just gonna like talk with my friends dude like and and the other point is to like try to help any young fool out there that's like trying to do some shit like this, you know. Yeah. But I'm not gonna sit here and ask you like who you're gonna fucking vote for and shit, you know? Like, <laughs> goddamn. But uh, yeah, so dude, that's that's funny. Like, uh, do you like do you have any sort of like good or bad? Doesn't even matter. Uh, like tattoo story that like totally sticks out in your mind. Like someone walked in wanted something or like whatever the fuck. Like one you were stressing out about or like went really well. Um, I mean, I'm still pretty, like, new into it. I mean, I, I've only been working at a street shop for <clears throat> less than a year now. Um, 
recently I had someone like back out like with the stencil on on the on the table. Oh my god. Which hasn't happened to me yet. Yeah. Um and I I should have seen it coming cuz they were a pain in the ass like from the very beginning. And uh I was really trying to be like, you know, have good customer service and like be very accommodating. Yeah. And then uh, after that, I I couldn't like really give a shit anymore. And uh, you know, I I told him that like what he did wasn't okay. And uh, I don't know, it was, it was really awkward. And he pretty much like ran out of the shop. Like in the back area, we have like a little TV monitor that shows like the front. And I I like watched him go, and he just kind of like bolted out. Jesus. It was really really weird. That's so funny, man. I, you know, yeah. I, I also feel like, dude, like the whole act of not doing shit you don't want to do, it's going to, it's so much better in the long run, dude, for like your quality of like tattooing and shit. You know, you're not going to become some jaded fool that did a bunch of fucking like, you know, just fucking a bunch of bullshit, like, you know, and you're just going to, you're going to stay stoked on what you're doing. You know, it's like, it's like a musician that, writes their own music and 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 cares a lot about it as opposed to the fool that's like gets paid a bunch of money to tour in a band he doesn't give a fuck about you know that fool's gonna become jaded and it's the quality of your art is gonna decline eventually i mean that's how i feel you know yeah but i'm also lucky in that i i get to sort of do that because a lot of people you know especially in the beginning they don't really have a choice they like they have to do whatever comes through the door yeah. Um, so I've been really lucky that I don't have to like do a lot of those kinds of things. I agree. You've been lucky, but I also feel like, man, you just, you make your own luck, man. And like you chose this path that you decided to do, you know? And so luck is like half of it, you know, the other half is just being tight and doing what you, <laughs> want, you know, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's cool. I mean, that's so fucking crazy, dude, just to bounce like that. But, uh, so do yeah. You- it was weird. I like barely knew it even had anything to say, but yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so strange, dude. And it sounds like the 100% like most awkward thing that could happen, dude. You yeah. Know? Incredibly. So, yeah. <laughs> so do you ever like think about, um, do you ever have any aspirations to take your art like in a different direction? You know, like I know the tattooing thing is something you've wanted to do for a long time and you're probably going to do forever and also with drawing, but do you ever think about like adding a third dimension to it, like some sort of sculpting aspect or like animation or anything like that? Um, definitely not interested in animation at all, but I would love to like experiment with like different mediums, but I just feel like I don't have the time. Like I feel like I'm still figuring out everything. I don't have time to like try and like mess around with something else. Like it'd be cool to like try and sculpt or like do you like pastels or paint, but it's for me, it's like, it makes more sense to just stick with what I sort of know. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely want to like do more music and like, do art for my own music but yeah it's a time issue yeah that's tight man like i listened that song and it's fucking i was so down with it this yeah it's gonna you know it's playing at the beginning of this so everybody will know what we're talking about but um man i was like so stoked when you sent me that dude i was like fuck yeah we'll open with that shit dude 
Yeah, I haven't like that kind of thing in a in a while. Um, or like I've been working on music, but not like the ambient shit because I was like a really specific like time and place when I was like uh, living in the TL and like working at a job I really hated. And uh, I don't know. I like I don't think I could like. I've tried to like make music like that again, and it hasn't really come out the same way. Mm-hmm. But you just have this drive, like you want to do music and stuff. Was was that sorry? Like yeah, but you just like, you, but you totally know that music is something that you want to pursue with your time and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like I have aspirations for a more like a like organic band. Yeah, that's tight. I I have a really clear vision for it, but uh, just the time and finding the right people to make it come together is. Yeah. Take a while. I feel you, man. Well, uh, shit, let's fucking talk about that one day when we both have time. Yeah. Because that would be tight as fuck. Um, so, you know, kind of getting towards the end, like, uh, do you have, is there any, like, visual artists that you're fucking with, like, really heavily right now? Like, is there anybody you would just say, like, because, you know, again, I'm not the most learned, dude. Like, who would you, who are you fucking with really hard right now? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, my main dog, Ruben, I oh, think, yeah, dude. you know, uh, he's been doing art forever as rain bath visual mm-hmm. and, uh, he's really annoying in that he's really good at everything he does. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like actually, uh, like whether it's music or drawing or painting or like whatever the fuck. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I just saw, uh, you were probably, were you there when we saw hollow sunshine? Uh, uh, yeah side? yeah 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 that was fucking tight dude just yeah like, and he he just doesn't like care either it's just like oh i could like make this really amazing art but i you know i could be like skateboarding instead or like or what <laughs> whatever it is i don't know like yeah like uh it can just be frustrating uh yeah him and uh that dude sin eater from the uk uh uh-huh Glenn Smith from Ireland, who I mentioned when we were talking about Year of No Light. Yeah. What uh, Year of No Light thing did he do? He did the split with Altar of Plagues. Oh, sick. Damn, that's tight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Simon Fowler, who did the Tosin album cover for them. Yeah, that's fucking sick, dude. Um, Jacob Rolfe from Australia, who also does really good music. Uh, Loss of Self and Weeping Rat. Oh, dude, I love that band, dude. That band's so good. Yeah. I fucking love that band so much. Um, um, yeah, go for it. Yeah. The, uh, Nate Burns from Ohio. He's done artwork for like Lake of Blood and tight. Uh, this dude from Brazil, like, I don't know if I'm saying his name right or if this is even his name, but it's like ours, ARS, like Moriende. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. Yeah. I don't know. Probably forgetting some but that's tight i mean that's a lot of shit to go look up man and it's like it's tight dude you guys got this like i mean we all we all have this like community of fools that are just doing a bunch of tight shit dude and we're all yeah in contact with each other and and talking to each other and like shit i might try to hit up one of those fools to talk on here you know what i'm saying because yeah that's really cool that's that's by and large like the best thing about doing this is like 
just like meeting genuine like cool creative people and like having like a network of people that support each other and make really interesting things yeah exactly yeah i mean we're a fucking a huge team dude and i i hella enjoy that man um so yeah like uh what's next for you? Like what you got, you got any projects coming up? Are you traveling anywhere? Like what's going on with, uh, with your artistic uh, life right now? Well, I'm going to, I'm actually going to be in LA tomorrow. Oh, um, are you going to the, the psycho California? Yeah. Going Boom. to that. Going to see you there all weekend, bro. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Um, but other than that, I'm hoping to have like a really productive summer with tattooing. Um, I just want to like get better with that. Um, yeah, no like really immediate travel plans or anything, but just kind of like buckle down and try and make some really cool stuff over the summer. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to be back and forth from here and there kind of a lot. Like we're going to kick it a bunch, dude. Um, I really, really fucking appreciate you coming on here. It's like so great to get like a different angle on our world that we all share. You know what I'm saying? And it's, it is a shared world and we are one giant team and it feels fucking great to like talk to somebody that a, I really like all the shit you do and B, I don't know shit about like that aspect of art, you know? So it's good. It's like, it's helpful for me. It's helpful to all the young clowns just listening, you know, and like, it's really tight, man. I'm like, and and again, it's like fucking, it's like one of the, it's like when you have a friend that you want great shit to happen for, but it already is. So you don't have to like trip on it, you know, that's, (laughs) that's really tight. And I feel like there's a lot of friends that we have that are, are are in the middle of that right now, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really, it's go ahead. Uh, just, uh, yeah, like with you guys, I mean, with like Deaf Heaven and stuff, like George and I talk about this a lot, how we like kind of came up together and we like support each other, like through everything and we're like still buds and it's just a really cool feeling. Yeah, man. And it's so crazy. Like it's, you know, it's rare for me, dude, but like, that's what you're saying is like, you know, how you, one of the best things about doing like this life is meeting people that are just on your level, on the same page in the same world. And like, even when it's hard, dude, even when you have to sift through a bunch of fucking dickheads, you know what I'm saying? Which is Mm -hmm. inevitable in any aspect of life. Like it's so tight to just meet like a few fools here and there that are just like on your, on your plane, you know? And yeah, man, it's a, it's a great feeling, dude. I'm super stoked again. Like, thank you so much for coming on here. Um, I asked you for a song and you wanted, Oh yeah, dude. And it's, yeah, we're going to have you on where you're going to be back on like whenever the fuck. And we're going to be kicking it in person and shit. Um, I asked you for a song and I was so stoked when you said a planning for burial because I love Tom and uh, the song is Rest Your yep. Head. So, uh, so yeah, that is Brian Proto, uh, Nature's Mortes, and Clovenhoof Illustrations, like one of my favorite dogs. Like, thank you so much for coming on here, dude. Yeah, thank you. Of course, man. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Tight, man. All right, that was Brian Proto. That was a great fucking interview. He's a great fucking dude. And I'm really stoked on how that went. Uh, I want to thank everybody for dealing with any little hiccups they heard. Uh... I haven't been in my studio, uh, aka my room, 
for about a week. So I've been dealing with a bunch of fucking variables. And I think it went pretty good. So Brian Poto picked uh, Planning for Burial, which is our friend Tom. He's fucking tight. Played a couple shows with him. Great fucking live show. All that shit. Uh, he's a great dude. So this is Planning for Burial with Rest Your Head the Reprise. And that is episode four in the fucking books. Ball. <laughs>